Oh. Oh. That actually does look for use just now. And there's like two things I just linked. Oh great, sweet. And this stuff is there. So I'm glad they tagged their stuff, then we could just go to Crunchyroll, type in Hunter Hunter under their news thing, yep. just find all the things. Fantastic. Yep. I mean, there's a lot, on both legs, there's a lot of art. Mm-hmm. And why did someone draw Peon like this? I don't know. Is it the first link or second link? Uh, the one where they say goodbye. Almost down at the end. Um, okay, yeah, I'm looking at it. The animator posted for... what? <laughs> okay, a bunch of their art, and I'm like, that's not like I can't even think of when that would be in the manga or anime. There's there's no real reason for it. That, I, that was that was for his penis. Yeah, of course. I'm trying to remember if he was if she was ever in glasses. No, I don't think so. No, and obviously not wings. No, she's a rabbit. I don't know why she would have... Maybe her swimsuit has... Maybe her bikini top has wings in the yes, back. I don't maybe. know. Uh, That's funny how that works. So you got these two episodes to cover. Which is... Mm-hmm. It's basically Kite and Jin being dicks. Yep. So I was trying to remember if this was Kite's personality and it just seems way more intense because it's a mm-hmm. woman. Yeah, but I don't really. I know he yelled at them, but I don't really remember him being that much of a jerk. So I think it's probably like the aunt personality mixed in. Maybe. And the little kid version of him seems so like hyper and cheery. And, yeah. Like you had two weeks and you grew up and became like. Just like jaded. <laughs> like. <laughs> I have all of my memories now, and like he was surrounded by his friends, which mm-hmm. when. I guess because either it happened so long ago in the manga that I skipped over them, like Stick Dinner and all those people. Mm-hmm. I didn't really remember if they were there at the end of the arc when Gon saw them. They probably were. Mm-hmm. It's just they are so unimportant. They are so unimportant. And I like, just I just forgot that they, whether they were alive or not. I just assumed they died at some I mean, point. I felt like they, they, none of them used Nen. I figured they would be dead, but... Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get started. Alright. As soon as I remember which episode this is. 146. Not that. Oh. Show episode. 103. Yes. Alright. So hello, welcome to episode 103 of Dropping the X, an unofficial Hunter Hunter podcast. I feel like at the beginning of every episode, like, we're sort of explaining to you where Diego is. And actually, no one's really... I don't think we've ever... We've talked to him about recording since the last time he showed up in an episode. It's just like, we know what the day is, and if you're not there, it's like, whatever. And today, we had to push recording back you know, life reasons and football reasons. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just me and Ed today. That's right. Yep. I'm like, here. Like, Let's make this happen. So we're covering episodes 146 and 147. Um, if you have not watched the episodes, or maybe you're like me and you don't pay attention to the titles, episode 146 is called Chairman and Release, and it mostly covers the end of the the voting period. Mm-hmm. Of uh, 
do we want to just do this, or do we want to throw news in at the end? No, or? we're gonna we're gonna talk about the news. I'm just okay, okay, giving you sure. summary highlights so you know what to look forward to. Okay, sweet, sweet. And episode one forty seven. My apologies. Which touches on a bit of what Kite's been up to. Um, so in the news, of course, this week as we're recording the last episode of Hunter Hunter's anime that began in 2011 comes to an end with episode 148 and the staff sort of posted what was going on in Madhouse HQ this was, it looks like a whiteboard uh, with a bunch of drawings and messages covering it because of course these people are all working together on the show and now they're done of course this is all of the artwork is tagged in Japanese so it's completely meaningless to me yeah, I was like, I can't understand any of these moon runes. <laughs> but it's cool to look at. Yes. Um, yeah, they they pulled out a lot of some of your favorite characters and probably mostly theirs. Like, Beans is there. Of course, <laughs> the main four are there. This is like a picture of um, Morale and Ikalgo all buddy-buddy together in the corner. Yes. There's the king in Kamugi. There's Jin's panda is there. That's His, very important. Hisoka, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Pito, Yupi, and... Um, oh, what's his dick's name? Why don't I remember? Poof. poof. And Poof. poof. Yeah. And then, of course, gone with the super long hair. And Palm and Killua and Alaka all make an appearance. Like, my favorite picture, I think, is Beans. Because I can't imagine why someone would say, No, I only have one thing to draw on this whiteboard. Emmy put beans looking Ooh, at put beans. This is like yes. the most uncomfortable I've ever seen beans look. Yeah, he's he looks like he's not supposed to be there. There's this weird little like Polaroid looking well, probably not Polaroid, but um the picture booth sticker thing of Gone Killua and Nanika towards mm-hmm. the bottom, which is I think the most bizarre of all the pictures. Let's see. It's right above the Oreo's shoulder at the bottom of the picture. I'm scrolling. Wait. Oh, you're still talking about the big picture. Yeah, the first one. The I'm still bit. on the whiteboard, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of... Yeah. Because that didn't happen. No, but I mean, it sort of did. But no. Well, kind of. Almost Maybe. happened. So, in their other pictures, um, there's one of Gon and Killua. Uh, I think this is more or less as they're departing. Yes, this is their, like... Like, a still shot of that. And then there's, mm-hmm. like, the king and Kamugi, like a heaven shot. Yes. Um, then some action shots, Pito and Gon, as well as Gon and Razor. Mm-hmm. Um, some storyboard printouts that they've done nothing on. Yes. For 148, and then um, I think this is the same animator who's very active on Twitter. He posted a bunch of pictures, including Killua as a raccoon and someone poking him in the face. Mm-hmm. There's a shot of Killua and Alaka, and then Jin and Gon, where Jin seems like he's washing his face, and a tiny Pariston in the corner crying. Like, I guess that's what he wished happened, like when Gon was crying, that he was like, shit. Like, that Jin was actually a good father? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kind of forgot what show this is. You see Pariston crying yeah. in the back? Yeah, tiny Pariston. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of Killua sketches mm-hmm. on a desk. Like uh, all the bunch of Godspeed mode. A really nice like action shot of Illumi being evil. Unnecessary <laughs> peon pinup photo. Mm-hmm. Um, Alika playing in some body of water, probably a mm-hmm. puddle. Killua and Alika being creepily close together. Yeah. Looks a little Wait, incesty. in water? Super if you, incesty. If you go to the next picture, it's the same thing, but they're in water. Yeah, I don't know what's so, happening. I don't know, is he baptizing her? Like, what's happening? Either that or drowning her. I don't know. <laughs> so the next bit of news is, of course, news we should all expect at this point, which is it was a, a statement made in Jump Issue 43 which is alarming because it lets us know that we're almost at the end of the year, uh, telling the readers that Hunter Hunter's hiatus is now indefinite because now Togashi's getting treatment for his health problems, whatever those are. I assume he has uh, arthritis at this yeah, point. He said, they said he had problems with his lower back. Yeah. I figure he also probably has arthritis in his fingers. Um so, of course, Hunter Hunter was missing from issue 43 and will likely continue to be missing. Um, that was the issue we were supposed to kind of look out for to see whether it, the, the manga was going to come back, right? I think so. And they also linked to some merch. Uh, at Kyoto International Manga Anime Fair, there's going to be a rubber charm version of the, the Gone doll that we saw earlier, the adult one with the long hair. Yes. So I guess like, you can put that on your phone. And there's some stamps for messaging on, I think this is Line, is the messaging program. Okay. And so it's a bunch of pictures of various I do characters. like the Netero picture. <laughs> it does the heart. The heart thing. It, like, out of context, it makes it look so adorable. Like, it does. <laughs> it and does. it's, like, kind of, like, adorable, but also confusion because, like, when somebody's normally doing that kind of thing... They're, like, smiling. Yeah. But, like, Netero is, like, mean mugging. It's, like, most intense, hard pass <laughs> possible. It's, like, I love you, but I will kill you if I have to. Yeah. There's also, I, I never remember this dude's name, but the guy from Great Island who kind of didn't really have anything to do. Like, there's Oh, this, I think, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that guy. That there's one of him looking, like, sheepish. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you would use that to convey. I assume the kanji above, I'm sorry, the uh, hiragana above his head is like, I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> There's also some of Paris daughter and a couple of the characters. Of course, adult gone, because that's a requirement at this yeah. point. So that about covers the news. Again, um, we do have a couple plans for a few episodes after 148 aired. I think that's that's really the most important reason why I decided to record before 148 aired, because um, that way all three of them they'll get mashed up into one episode, and we have at least another week that we yes. know we can record. So jumping straight into the, the episodes themselves, um, like I said, 146 and 147, as normal when we have multiple episodes, we're kind of going to handle this as one bulky episode that we can jump around in all over the place. Yep. So this is really the aftermath of Gon's healing. Um, he's sort of ran away from the hospital and apparently not realized that Killua was in there because Illumi shows up and Illumi like walks straight to them. Um, but when we broke off 
of Fro 145, um, Gon had already entered the Hunter Association offices near the little theater room. Yeah. And two of Jin's friends were pointing out Jin, so he sort of like comes down there and he runs to him and he apologizes to Jin, I think, which throws him off. Like, yes. not only the apology, but also the fact that he's crying. And he's like, crying and snot and just everything coming out of him. Yeah. He's just like, wait a second, like, I'm the deadbeat dad. What are you apologizing to me for? Like, I know I've been mm-hmm. horrible. He's like, no, because of me, like, Kite got turned into a little girl. And Jin is confused, like anybody would. Because yes, last cause... time he saw Kite, Kite was a dude mm-hmm. and, and alive. And he's just like, well, I, I don't know what's going on, like, what you're even saying right now. Um, but you should stop crying. And he's like, there's, he basically says to him, like, there's no reason to apologize to me. Like, I don't care if Kite's dead or alive. Uh, but I wasn't the person that you think you did anything wrong to. Like, you think that you've wronged your friend Kite, so you, can, you should go and apologize to him and not to me. And then, like, when you apologize to him, remember to tell him that not only are you sorry for what happened, but you're going to do things differently the next time. And then Gon is like, okay, yeah. And Jin's like, all right, good talk. Get out of here. Go see Kites. While I <laughs> and the audience is not having any of that because they're like, they've heard about how Gon's been looking for his father. And then there's this moment, like, in any other manga, right? This would have been, like, the storybook reunion. This would have been the the wonderful, like, fairy tale conclusion to this It'd have been like of, flower petals all around the screen like, like there would have been a big bear hug and like father and son would be weeping and everyone in the background would be dying from how adorable the whole scene is and this manga has it it was having none of that it's just none. like gone is preoccupied with apologizing for kites because he's still overwhelmed by that like that's the last thing he remembered before he blacked out was that yep. Like he killed Pito, but Kai was still dead, and now that he's woken up, and Morale is like, there's this ant out there that's calling itself Kite, so there's a possibility that Kite's still alive out there. Like he's dealing with all of these things, plus his father's in front of him, and he's twelve. He doesn't know what to do. He's like blubbering and all that, and his mm-hmm. he doesn't even realize that his dad is trying to get rid of him. Yes, like immediately. It's like mm, I, I I don't want to see you. Yes. Um, and then there's there's a school of thought, of course, that Jin. And it may be giving him too much credit, but it's this idea that Jin is kind of ashamed of who he is, like who he grew up to be. And when you're hearing that your son, because this is usually what happens, like your kids grow up thinking that their dad is like this really super awesome guy and he could take on the whole world and he's Superman and all that. And like, while Jin is strong and he's accomplished a lot of things, he's also a huge asshole. And he's like... Yes, and a horrible person. And, like, he's in a state of arrested development. Like, all kinds of stuff is going on with him. Like, he's just, like, a big kid in terms of how he makes decisions. And he's like, you have this whole other human being that's looking up to you as a god. And, like, not only is it just... It's not some kid. It's your son that you abandoned when he was a baby. And that that doesn't even hold that against you. Like, it's, it's... I think it's a lot. For a dude that's probably like mid twenties, um, late twenties, mm. maybe early thirties, 
And he's just like, okay, I'll see you later. And the whole crowd he's is just, just like, like... Well, I, I do like how he was actually flustered, though. Yeah. Yeah, because he was like, um, like, dude, uh, stop crying. Um, um, wait. Like, yeah. Wipe, wipe away that snot. I can't, I can't mm. deal with you. Because, you, like... One with like he's probably crying because of a combination of both things, like mm-hmm. being able to see his dad, but also remembering that like Kite was his father's only student, and yeah. you feel like you got his only student killed, which yeah. you should really be looking at it as from the other angle that the only student died to protect the dude's kid. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's way more important from that angle. So. Like, Jin is pushing him off out of there, and the crowd is like, no, you know, there's no way we're gonna let you go, which is that crap thing. Like, you, you gotta have a real reunion. Like, talk to him man to man. Stop trying to push him off. Yeah, I do love that shit. It's kind of like Jerry Springer. Yeah. Like, I'm the, like, the who's the father stuff. Because <laughs> the crowd's like, no, screw you. You better be a good dad. It was like, boom. Boo. Like, <laughs> tell me you had an older brother that's his real father, and that's way better than you are. <laughs> Yes. And like as Gond is leaving, because I mean he's he's confused by the whole thing. He's like, why do people even care? And Paristan is like, wait, wait one second, like the election's not finished and nobody can leave until we've completed this election. So let me just ask you on your way out, like, who do you vote for? Uh between me, I'm by the way, I'm Paristan Hill, you've never met me. <laughs> and your friend Leorio, and like Gon just like looks at him. And then he points at Paristan, he's like, you, because Leorio's going to be a doctor, so being a chairman would totally get in the way of all of that. And the whole crowd is in shock, and Paristan looks like that's not what he expected. Um, Cheadle is defeated. Yeah, Cheadle just, like, is mad. She's, like, throwing things in her head. She's like, I, I quit, because I saw that the crowd was going towards Leorio, and now, like... Not only did Gon said vote for Paristan, but Leorio also voted for Paristan. He's like, I'm leaving too. Like, I vote for Paristan and you guys handle that. And then overwhelmingly, because the two heroes said Paristan, everybody, almost everyone votes for Paristan, Leorio loses. Um, and then Paristan is like, okay, now that I've been elected chairman, I would love to say that I don't actually want to be chairman. So I'm going to nominate Cheadle as my vice chairman. And then resign effective immediately, and Cheadle's going to take over. So basically, we wasted all of our time voting. Mm-hmm. Like, the the group could have just nominated Cheadle. Everyone said, okay, it's going to be Cheadle, and have no election. But this was all a part of Paristan's plan to begin with. And um, yeah. you, you see, it switches uh, to Illumi, who has apparently had a massive heart on this whole time. And he walks in and he he's been reasoning it out in his head. He's talking about how he he'd been confused the whole time because all Alaka required um, of Kilowell after Maluki had wished for a computer was to play dead and this pat on the head thing. And then he got Nanika to come out and made the whole uh, if you don't let me leave this house um, in whatever it was, 30 minutes or whatever, um, kill my mother or give me a kiss on the cheek. And he realizes that Alka had said, uh, I think Nichan at the time, and mm-hmm. not Killua. So he realizes that the two requests that 
killer were carried out were requests made to him of the not of Nanika, which is why um, the payments um, of Sabonis' nails seemed like so much more severe for what he asked for. And then he's he's now reasoned that Killua is able to make these commandments of um, Nanika, and in response to the commandments, Nanika usually um, requests, I guess, an acknowledgement that it carried them out well. Yes. Um, and he also notes that Killua is basically able to call out Nanika whenever he wants. So the most important puppet of them all is Killua. And he's sort of sad that I think that he re- that Killua was able to get rid of his needle uh, before he realized how much control exactly Alaka had over... Uh, Killua had over Alaka. And so as Alumi is approaching them, he's like, look, bro, I'm going to control um, Alaka... And I'm gonna, I'm going to let you stay by Alaka's side. Isn't that such a great deal? And Alaka, Kilo, of course, still being pissed, basically that Alaka, that Illumi. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Alaka. Illumi <laughs> said that Alaka wasn't a family member and referred to Alaka as a thing and a monster, and not a person. And yes. basically says, you know, Nanika, wake up send Illumi back home. Like, as Illumi is, like, charging towards him, he... Yeah, like, he's about to, like... I think he's, like, this is your last chance. And he... He's basically Star Trek beamed away into the house. And I like that he was in the air as he came down. Yes. And he's like, hmm. Okay. Oh, y'all were watching that. (laughs) Miluki's like... Holy crap, the teleportation. And he's like, so as it as it stands, as long as Killua and Alaka are together, Killua is basically invincible. Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. Considering that there's a part of him that still wants to wipe out his family. So I think the most interesting thing to note from this episode beyond that is um, after you tell Sabone and... I, what is her name? The other Amane? chick, Amane, to leave, which they comply with because he's like, either you leave or I'll have Nanika teleport you away. So they leave, um, and Tsubone just goes around the corner. Uh, but Killua has this talk with Nanika where he tells, you know, her that she can't come back out anymore. She has to just let Alka live, and like Nanika starts crying, and then like disappears in the middle of it. Yeah, I kind of felt like the worst. Okay. It's, it's, it's so odd. Because, yeah. like, it's this perpetually smiling creature, but also horrifying at the same time. I went to see it cry just because, mm. like, not only did Killua not pat her on the head, like she was asking for, he's also like, and stay out kind of thing. And it, it's also telling because the, the voice for Nanika sounds more childlike yes. than Alaka. So it. I had never noticed it before because, of course, reading it in manga, it's not easy to pay attention to who uses childlike tones versus who doesn't. Mm-hmm. But Nanika really sounds like a baby, almost. Um, sounds like a toddler. Yeah. Of its species, like it's it it really only wants affirmation mm-hmm. and praise for what it for whatever it does. Because it's like you're asking um, Nanika to do stuff, right? And it's accomplishing them for you. Like there's nothing that it's not able to do. 
And so, in return, it really just wants your affection back. And of course, the price, the dumb price for the S4 is an unintended side consequence. Yeah. So, Aluka comes back, and Aluka is like, you were mean to Nanika. Like, how dare you do that? Like, me and Nanika are a package deal. Like, you can't be nice to me and mean to her. You have to be nice to both of us, or I'll hate you forever. And that's when Killua realizes that he's wrong for what he did. And mm-hmm. for even, like, in his chastising everyone, like, he's constantly, like, Alaka is family, Alaka's a person. How dare you treat Alaka not like a person? That he was basically doing the same thing to Nanika. Like, Nanika was a means to an end and not a separate individual being with feelings and emotions. I mean, because, of course, that's how the audience perceived Nanika as well up to this point. Like, you're just, like, a genie, basically, that shows up to grant some wishes and leaves. Yeah. And so he calls Nanika back out and apologizes, and he's like, from now on, like, he slaps himself also. It's like, from now on, like, I'm going to be a good big brother to both of you. And then Subone is hiding around the corner. Mm-hmm. And Kikyo, which, this surprised me, because it, does, it doesn't really seem like her. Um, but Kikyo's just like, when you have the time, tell Kilwa that, that we've rescinded all the restrictions on him. So basically, he's free to come and go as he pleases, along with Alaka. And there's not even the whole, like, this is a family secret, you can't talk about this. Or, like, we'll make it so you can never leave home again. It just, none all of that's gone. And he basically has got what he wanted. He's, he's freed um, Alaka. Gone is healed. And he doesn't have to deal for right now with the interference of his brother. Yeah, because he's sent him like thousands of miles away. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take him a couple days just to get back to where they were, let yeah. alone to wherever they're going to end up. Mm-hmm. I think that about covers that episode. The only other interesting thing um, I wanted to talk about was um, in referring to Alaka. Um, they translated what Illumi said is as he's gonna be as Alaka is gonna be locked up like someone locked up in a room forever, right? Yes. And what he actually refers to Alaka as is a, a Zashki Warashi, which I'm familiar with because of um Holic for one. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's also been referenced in other series. It's a particular kind of yokai that's a childlike spirit that's usually bound to a home. And in order to, I guess, keep them from being evil, um, you have to dote on them like they're your child. Oh, wow. Okay. So that that really is a a good way to refer to what Nanika is. Um, But if if you spend too much attention to it, like, they might leave your house. So they'll do... Um, they do more pranks than outright evil actions. Like, they'll um, flip over your pillows or make weird noises um, in the rooms or they'll um, walk in the ashes of the fireplace so that, like, you can see their presence, but you don't really know them. And it says that, oh, this wiki article anyway, it says that they're us- they usually look like a five- or six-year-old child. Um, That's kind of exactly how Nanika sounds. And if the Sashiki Warashi is in your home, um, it can bring you great fortune. So in this case, it's possible to make a ton of money from Nanika. 
or but if they leave um the house i guess falls in disrepair and they lose a lot of money and all that stuff but that's that's just a, an interesting um sort of aside that the translation completely skipped over um because they didn't make an attempt to be like one-to-one it's just like it's it's a thing that's stuck in the house and not like a more or less a ghost um so as soon as i heard that i wanted to point that out mm-hmm. so moving on to 147 which is what i took all of these useless notes on oh i actually did have some for 146 though go ahead uh i thought it was interesting uh kill his words when uh after he slapped himself, kind of uh, seeing that he was still under Illumi's control, which obviously isn't wasn't a type of men control, but rather that he was so caught up in uh, keeping Alaka away from his family and, of course, uh, his brother, that he's kind of like influenced by the way the family does things. Yeah. In order to, he decided, you know, that uh, Nanika needs to go away rather than protect Nanika. Which is, I think that's kind of interesting because before, you know, Alumi has been just, uh, when he was controlling him, it was just through the needle. Yeah. Rather than how normal people get controlled, which is by influence. Yeah, and intimidation. I think yes. the other thing is, even though he doesn't have the needle in his head, I mm-hmm. think he is well aware that in a fight a hundred times out of a hundred Illumi could take him easily yes and like and also that the dude is psychotic and even though you may be complying with everything he wants you to do he might just decide to cut your arm off yeah so there's that unpredictability with dealing with him and i think that causes you to immediately try and create a situation where you don't have to interact with him and if nanika doesn't come back out Alaka has no value to him. Or the family. So hopefully, like, that would get him to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. But of course, like, that doesn't make any sense. That's like a, a child's way of reasoning. Like, even if you tell Nanika not to come back out, that doesn't stop Illumi from capturing Alaka and torturing and Alaka. And you. And killing you, possibly. Maybe. Well, his, I mean, he can, he can just, like, control you and then make you tell her yeah. to come out again. And she'll or, listen to you because you're you. Or, like, hold you and just torture mm-hmm. Alaka, who, yeah. again, is a normal child who hasn't had yep. to put up with the family torture, who probably can't stand pain mm-hmm. until Nanika comes out or until you finally say, you know, Alaka, there's no reason to hold back, like, let Nanika out because he'll kill you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a whole situation, and I'm sure all of that was running through his head. Yeah. So 147 um, sort of mostly focuses on kites um and i think it starts with this like it's sort of out of the blue with this story because even in the manga it's like what is any of this yes it's it's the story that the the koala ant is detailing to this girl who where it's hard to tell that it's kite because the last time we saw a kite guy was maybe three yes uh it's this girl with red hair sitting across from the koala and the koala is like Maybe I'm telling you this because you have the same face, but there was this girl, I guess they're roughly the same age, so 14 mm-hmm. or 15-ish, but the girl looked maybe like she was 10. Um, there's this red-headed girl, which stands out because there were no other redheads in this area. Yes. Um, 
I was with these two ants that are particularly vicious, and they were about to go after her, and I just thought I should kill her. Um, and like they, you, sh- you shot, they shot. Like it was really cool because like he put the tea to his mouth, and like the tea cup instantly becomes the jug um, that he uses to fight with, and he's putting that in his mouth, and he like spits, and it goes into the back of her head, and it makes this like splash effect. But obviously, it's murder. Yeah, she dies, <laughs> but they don't like they don't show blood or anything. She just like drops on the ground, so it's hard to tell that she's dead. Mm. And it's sort of interlaid with his past as he goes in and he says like I was the person who got rid of people. He was an assassin. So he was Jigen. Yeah, he he seemed like he was a mafia assassin, judging mm-hmm. by the the zoot suit, and he it shows him shooting people. Like this dude gets shot like in the center of the forehead and, yeah. and falls, and he's like. He goes into this whole, like, life philosophy that knowing Kite's current personality, Kite does not care, right? No, but he's going into this long story about how he probably shot the girl because, like, he thought at the time, like, he was just giving her an easy death uh, because the other two aunts were going to torture her and probably rape her and drag the whole thing out before they eventually killed her. He killed her new that they like living toys. And like it, it eventually shows one of the ants going over and just like ripping her body to shreds. Yes. Which is all sorts of messed up. But there's like mm-hmm. no blood and it's it's black and white, so you barely notice it. Um and he starts talking about why he believes that certain people were reincarnated as ants and other people weren't. Um, which is I'm guessing when he was alive he didn't have Nen, so he doesn't understand like why certain people um, awaken as ants and other people don't and it's because of their right. their potential and all of that but he's talking mm. about this idea of a soul and how I guess he would have been an atheist at the time he was alive like he didn't think there was such thing as a soul and without um, a soul humans are just creatures that live and die like any other creature and that's why he had no value um like it didn't bother him. Life did was, not have have value to him. That no. he was killing people. It's like they were just like fleas, or mosquitoes, in my opinion. Like any other mm-hmm. creature that you could just smash without thought. And he's since realized since he died, and he came back that there's this thing that probably is small because there was and I can't remember how much it is, um, but there's this weird measurement that they did. Um, between a, a living person and a person at the moment of their death to determine the weight of a person's soul. Um, and that's kind of what he's getting at. He talks about the, the smallest parts of us um, that make us what we are. And in this, this experiment, um, Duncan McDougall measured... Um, the soul to be 21 grams so if you've if you've heard that particular measurement before that's that's where it came from um but this idea that he and he talks about um how small the our dna is the the, that double helix all that information that makes up our personality that determines what diseases we have what we look like to an extent how we react to certain stimuli all of that is coiled up into this small microscopic thing 
And then even smaller than that is what we would refer to as the soul, which is our personality, the essence of who we are. Um, and how you perceive what a soul is, of course, depends on um, your personal philosophy, your relationship to religions, however you interpret that idea. But basically what it comes down to is who we are. And mm-hmm. a lot of um, schools of thought um, that err on the side of religion believe that who we are is, for lack of a better word, bigger than what we are, which is the human being, the body, all of that. And they believe that when you die, because your soul is more important, um, your soul continues to live. And Koala Guy was like, I thought, you know, when you die, sort of that's it. That's It's just darkness and nothing else. But I came back. So he further posits that he came back sort of because he was such a scumbag. Like, his his actions had sort of um, weighted him, I guess, on the wrong side of the end goal, I guess, which is to be a good human being and be accepted into whatever version of paradise that's, the right, in, that's yeah. the right one. Not necessarily mm-hmm. that you believe in. Oh, okay. Yeah, because most, most religions have an out for people who don't believe in the religion, except for that one uh, that we're not going to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. But he believes that he came back because he, he made the wrong decision um, a lot of times. And he talks about, again, shooting the girl and how the right thing to do would have been to shoot the two aunts he was with. But he went through life trying to minimize the harm to himself. And had he shot one of them, he would have obviously had to fight off the other one or possibly both of them. And he could have died. And having already died once, he's just like, I want no parts of that. And so because he was a coward, he believes, he's been brought back and put in this body to atone. And at the end of all of that, like... Just like, I don't know why I told you this. It's just, like, it's how I feel because you look like her. And he's like, well, I'm just going to leave. And Kite's like, no. Um, if that's what you believe, I need you to stay by my side. And it's like, what? It's like, you're going to live every day. When you wake up each morning, you're going to apologize to me for letting me die. And you're going to live your life in a constant cycle of atonement. And if you ever, if your resolve ever breaks... I'm going to kill you. And like in that instant, like her eyes take on like this hardened darkness. Yes. And you're like, I, as I was looking at it and I'm like, I don't really remember kite because we didn't have a lot of him. It's like, but is that kite or is that like the ant in you? Um, I kind of, that's just like the ant. Cause I don't know. I guess we didn't really see kite in too many, like, situations that would apply to this yeah and at times i'm not entirely convinced that kite really remembers or Mm -hmm. if she remembers like how much of an impact it actually has on her Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's beneficial to you as a new person if a bunch of people care about you and they galvanize around you that's cool because like you see like we mentioned earlier like all of his friends um all of kite's former friends are in this mansion with kite and we presume taking care of her to some extent. So it's useful to Kite to have old Kite's memories, but 
this kite is the twin of the king. Like, that's an important thing to remember. And as I was looking at it, I was like, at some point in the future, assuming this manga goes on for long enough for it to be a factor, uh, it would be really cool to me if Kite decided, you know, it's through all this, like, I'm going to rule, like, basically my birthright is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of... Mm-hmm. Female Kite is basically the next queen, if that's how you want to look at it, or the next king, depending on... Mm-hmm whatever kite decides to do uh whether you're gonna sit there and repopulate the ants that way or you're gonna just rule and create your own queens or whatever yeah because it does seem like uh with this this is part of a movement kite is doing to amass an army yeah i mean that koala dude is pretty deadly Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the rest of the people around her are useless, but they're just they're around because his memories. And as I'm looking at, as I was looking at Kite, because like Kite's wearing this like really tight leather-looking thing, mm-hmm. like you don't have. Where's your tail? Yeah, that is weird. Like, where is the tail? Like, unless it's like tucked away in the pants. Which it doesn't seem like as well. Even though no. like Kite had a much thinner tail. Mm-hmm. Um, than Marowam did, because obviously yes. that can't go in the pants. That's impossible. No. So as as Kite's done talking to the koala, and koala of course agrees because the option is death. Um, Gon walks. Um, there's a knock on the door. The friend that chewed the bubble gum shows up, and she's like, "It is a vis- There's another visitor here for you." And Kite's like, "Send him in," and Gon walks in. And, like, Gon and the koala walk past each other. Koala goes outside. And then Gon sits in front of Kite and basically does the same thing. He's, like, blubbering. Like, I'm so sorry. And Kite's like, what are you sorry for? It's like, it's my fault that you died. Like, I wasn't strong enough to fight with you. And Kite is, like, coming at this so rationally. I don't believe Kite's actually connected to any of the things the previous person experienced. Yes, definitely. Kite's just like, well, you defeated Pito, and I wasn't strong enough to defeat Pito. So there's, there's like, merit in the fact that you were able to take them out. And basically says to Gon, like, you weren't strong enough, and I wasn't strong enough. So, like, we were basically both, we both went into the situation underestimating the enemy. Like, even though Kite was yelling at them, like, uh, when they almost got bit by the regular Chimera ants... It's like, you guys basically aren't paying attention to any of the surrounding area, and you're underestimating nature. And that's sort of what old Kite did. Like, you thought that you were going to be strong enough uh, to take on the ants, and then it turns out, oh shit, you were wrong. And Kite basically says that both of them could have benefited from more training um, before confronting the ants. And that sort of is the the moment that Gon was looking for. It's like acknowledgement that he wasn't really wrong, he wasn't really at fault, and he's sort of able to put his mind at ease. Yeah. And then he leaves to go and meet his dad. And you see like Kite and his crew all lined off, like watching him leave. And he, he like runs back to Hunter headquarters, like throws the doors open, and it's like Jin. And I was like, oh wait, yeah, I've been gone for a couple hours. 
everybody's left and it's just this piece of paper um, propped up on the desk and Beans is there and Beans is like, I'm so sorry. And I tried to get him to stay and Jin is kind of like, well, he didn't say he was going to meet me here. So on the paper is a crude drawing of a tree and then like an arrow pointing at the top. And like, I'm going to wait for you here. And so Gon takes off to go to the World Tree, which seems like it was really far away from the town. Um, yeah, it did look like he like ran away to the ends of the earth. Like at some point, Killer was there. And like that seemed really weird because I, I was looking at it like, is he just running and imagining Killer was running behind him? I don't know what's happening. Then the next shot is just like gone from the front. And you don't see Killua. But then when he shows up in the town, like Killua was there with Alaka. And it's sort of like they've off screen, they met each other and they reconciled and they talked about something. And there's this poor tour guide that's following them around like he's talking about the world tree and how to get to it and how like only 30 people of however many try to climb it each year actually succeed and most people that give up or die and, like while he's doing that like they're doing like little child dickery in the background like they've they're posing for some photo with some guy with a camera like they're eating some sort of buns what Killua is like, because it seems like they were watching them cook, and then Killua ordered a bag full, and is just standing there eating them and not giving them to anybody. Yeah, it's like Alaka has, like, one. Which is exactly the kind of horrible human being behavior like from Killua. Yes. But it basically comes down to they're, they're almost at the entrance to the World Tree, and Killua just drops it on him, like, you know, look, I'm not going with you. Like... This is your issue with your dad that you need to confront, and you don't really need an audience for that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, also, by the way, like, Alaka was the one who healed you. And Gon is, Gon kind of gives him the, really? Like, this little girl healed me? And he's like, okay, wait, let me pull you in this alley. All right, really and truly. And then he tells her to bring on Nanika. It's like, this is what healed you. And Gon does that, oh my god, this is so cool face. Yes. So, like, he's instantly, like, Gon is for the most part, is a dude that's up for whatever. So he's like, your sister has superpowers. We use Nen. This makes perfect sense. I don't have to think of it any bit beyond that. And as they're back near the tr- base of the tree, he's just like, you know, um, you might think you're my best friend, but actually Alaka comes before you. And God's like, what? Really? <laughs> Family comes before me? Ooh. And then Alaka tells him, like, I haven't been able to hang with my brother for a while, so we're gonna see the world together for a while, and then, like, when we're done, when I'm done with my brother, could we please be friends, could you please be friends with him again? And he's like, wait a second, like, I'm not the one that needs to be asking him to hang out with me, he needs to be asking me to hang out with him after what he did. And Gon kind of apologizes for being a dick, and they sort of separate and go about their separate ways. And I, as I'm watching this, I'm like, if Killua, say, takes a year um, with Alaka and mm-hmm. does not teach Alaka how to fight, he's failed on every level. Yes. As an older brother, because mm-hmm. it would be absurd for you to believe that you're never going to be separated from Alaka. Because at some point, if you're with, and Alaka can't fight, Alaka's a complete liability. I mean, sure, you could possibly wish people away. Um, or command people away with mm-hmm. Nanika, but um, 
there's all kinds of possible scenarios. Alaka could be knocked out. There's no way to wake up, Nareko. Uh, you two could be separated from each other before you can wish for anything. Because Illumi could be like, hey, you have to take um, this kid out before you go after Killua. Because he could use her uh, to basically wish you away or wish you into dust or explode your body or whatever. Yeah. And people start to game plan for the fact that Alaka can't fight. So it would be basically a waste of your energies doing all of this if at the end of it you don't teach Alec how to fight. Cause or at least some kind of like defensive techniques and like ways to like run away, you know, using Nen and all that. Like... As I feel like Alaka should be able to use Nen. If, if not um, herself, then mm-hmm. there should be some sort of way to siphon off the power that Nanika has. Mm-hmm. But also, like, ignoring everything that they've been saying, literally, and going back to the idea that looking at this kid, more so than Killua, Alka looks like a cross between the two parents. So, most likely, this is their kid that, as we were reasoning, was probably possessed at some point. So, Alka still has the Zoldic potential inside of her. Until... Togashi says otherwise should probably at the very least be able to use the basics of Nen which should be good enough to get away from people that are trying to kidnap her Definitely. so I hope he does that and I hope he doesn't go with keeping Alaka as a perpetual damsel in distress forever because at some point either you have to stick with Killua or you have to go back to be with the family one of the two so the other things, um, and of course the episode ends with Gon and Killua walking away from each other. And it goes into this little flashback thing up from the first time they met up until now. And I have a bunch of silly little notes um, that the koalas' ruminations about souls and life after death is super serious with their show. And Kite doesn't seem to care. I have Kite's friends are all alive. Where is Kite's tail? Yes. Uh, the the black and white film noir comic style flashback for the koala is really cool. Yeah, I definitely like that touch. That time when it, when they showed it the second time when he, as he's killing that guy and it says bang coming mm-hmm. from his gun, I was like, that's a really smooth touch. Yes. And then last note is well, I have here gone as a baby because of all of his crying. Mm-hmm. And. Kite's become such an asshole. It would be kind of hilarious if Kite became a king or queen. Yeah. Like Kite and Gyro could, could work together. I think mm. that would be kind of awesome. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> so you have any um, observations from 147 in particular you want to share? Mm. I thought the... Uh... The little uh, that little cutaway part at the end, mm-hmm. where it's like where it stops, where both of them are like looking opposite from each other, and it's like super like uh, be shown in style out of nowhere. Yep. It was kind of hilarious. Yeah, I do like the uh, the little effects when uh, Killua is making fun of Gon. Where yep. He's like, "Well, you did make me depressed, and you were being an asshole and shit." And his character is just slowly growing over time. Yep. While Gon's like feeling like shit. I thought that was funny. 
like he falls down onto the ground and he looks like he wants to cry and like mm-hmm. Alaka goes to do the whole you're being mean and he's like wait no hang on let me have this yeah yeah <laughs> I think uh, yeah we got Kilo Cat face again yep he's yeah. like it's like you weren't here when he said that to me let me have this moment <laughs> yes so um I guess knowing more or less how the series is going to conclude which is how I've been like I, I basically since we started the show it's been how I've been advocating for it to end if it had to um so looking more or less looking forward to that this meeting on top of the world tree um in in the preview there's a shot of Jin and Gon sitting in the bird's nest and these humongous baby birds are behind them um and of course the, the guide mentioned that the the world tree is the the tallest structure on earth and humans have not been able to build anything anywhere near that size so looking forward to the conversation that they're gonna have um which of course is not gonna be i was a shit father i'm sorry i abandoned you to do whatever it is i want to do um i still wish we had gotten some kind of clue even though gone doesn't want to know about who his mother is um Partly because I want to believe she's still alive and out there somewhere. And yeah, I'd like to hope that she's like some kind of like two, three star hunter. I like just uh, doing awesome badass and so. I want um, gone to find out that the reason why he's this one in a million talent is because of who his mother is, and, and not, not be- because of that. Not because his dad is Jin. I mean, because while Jin is amazing, I just think that would be hilarious. Mm-hmm. And even more, like, the idea of, like, absentee fathers is so prominent in really all of society, um, but also in manga and anime, but we kind of don't talk about absentee mothers or why a mother would decide, other than, like, you're a child, basically, when you have the kid, but why a mother would decide not to raise her child. So I think if he, if he actually went at that properly, and, uh created a person and not just like oh footnote your mother was this and then she died um and that's why i gave you to to me to i brought you home and mito took you she didn't give him to mito uh but just the idea of fleshing the mother out as a character having her show up at some point because in the current manga arc that's going to end anywhere from next year to seven years from now um, there's this uh, opportunity for a bunch of hunters to all converge on the same spot. So the chance is still out there for him to meet his mother, um, as well as the fact that like he's right now at Whale Island. So curiosity could hit. As But uh, when it ter- comes to the Freaks family, it seems like the men in the family are standouts. Um, because his grandfather or great-grandfather or whatever is another super cool guy doing super cool stuff that's possibly immortal. So, Yeah, he might be out there, out in the, the new world. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to. And of course, um, Jin in the next episode, in his conversation with Gon, is going to talk about the new world and um, the possibilities that exist out there. So for those of you that don't read the manga yet, which I'm always on the fence of of whether or not I should actually recommend that you 
if you finish the anime with 148 and you're looking for more, yes, of course, I believe you should read it. But there's also this profound disappointment out there when you get to the end of what's available. And think about the fact that nobody knows when we're going to get more. Yeah. Like, all we have is, like, hopefully Tagashi gets better. Yep. And then actually feels like making more. So, uh, we did not get emails this week. But if you want to send us emails, you can send them to hxhpodcast at gmail.com. And since by the time this episode comes out, uh, which should be this Wednesday, uh, by the time this releases, episode 148 will already be available to Crunchyroll customers. So if you have an account or other ways of getting access to the episode, go ahead and the email that you send us, let it be on your thoughts of not only the finale, but of the series as a whole. Because uh, we're going to be bringing our own perspectives um, on the final episode as well as a more or less wrap-up of the series. Because um, we haven't talked about it in a while, but as it compares to the first series, um, which one of the two, and it should be obvious, that which one of the two studios that we would prefer to handle the whole thing. Um, what we're most look- if, you, if you do read the manga, what you're most looking forward to seeing animated um, of the following arc. And I guess we'll take bets on how many years it takes for Tugnish's arc. Or the manga in general. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, like, honestly, if he decides to start writing um, week to week, like, he puts a commitment to doing the work every week, no matter how much pain he's in. I think he can finish it in two years. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Because uh, at some point he said there were like three arcs that he's definitely thinking of doing and he has the, the idea for the ending in his head, even though every jump author says that. I, I feel like he really does um, have the ending in his head and is getting close to ending it. Even though there's so many characters that could be further worked on, so many people that could be brought into the story that are already out there. Uh, if he can't draw anymore or doesn't want to, um, he doesn't want to continue working on the story. There, there are various ways he can end it, and end it well. Because um, remember, unlike most of the other popular Jump authors, like this is a guy that's actually finished manga before. Yes. So, he's aware of how you end stuff, and isn't going to be pushed around by Jump to just keep things going on indefinitely. So. Mostly because I mean it's not. I guess I don't really have figures or anything, but I, I, I have a feeling Hunter Hunter isn't exactly the cash cow. Uh, no, not at this point. And it's yeah. mostly because, like, it's got on break so many times. So I think people yeah. people probably don't want to get invested until everything is in volume form. Yes. And, like, when people see that it's actually done, I think that's when you're going to see people spending money on it. Um that people will then turn around and buy up all the volumes so they have the complete collection and so they can actually read how it ends. Because people probably still have that that memory in their minds of um, what six or so years ago, what chapters of Hunter x Hunter that got released in Jump looked like. And obviously they're, they're putting in a ton of detail now, but back that was complete trash. And I don't even know how any of us read it um, in that state. But there's probably a lot of ideas out there as to why it's not because I think it's it's consistently near the bottom yes in popularity however everybody is aware 
that this is, even though it's not actually a flagship property, that it should be. Mm -hmm. And if it if it updated with any form of regularity, it probably would be. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. So, if you want to email us again, that's hxhpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out our site, which isn't that fantastic, it's droppingthex.com. That's right. We got an actual URL now. And, of course, you could subscribe to us through iTunes or whatever other RSS reader you decide on and get those episodes to you automatically each week. You can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at HXH Podcast. I know I didn't read Boywex's tweet out loud, but he was like, he was listening to the episode and he was so happy that he broke the show. Uh, I already thing. forgot what the thing was. It was terrible. This. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, all I remember was that horrible things happened. That's yeah. it. It's horrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to click this email again so I can remind myself. Um, so, again, if you have anything to share, if you want to talk about the show as a whole, if you want to talk about episode 148, if you want to guess, um, if you're caught up with the manga and you want to guess what's coming next, which I would not recommend because we're always wrong, uh, if you want to guess how many years the manga has left and maybe like this could be a long game sort of thing and 10 years from now after we've already cancelled this show like you'll see a prize appear on your doorstep you don't know where anything came from and there's no return address yes so hxhpodcast at gmail.com thank you guys for listening again we'll see you guys next time later later